Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us today from Corn Belt Marketing. And it's kind of one of those days, Sam, I think you and I kind of hit the nail on the head. It's pretty quiet. Now, we probably jinxed ourselves by saying that, but a very slow news day for the markets. And it really reflected it, even though we saw some negativity going on for the grains. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, we've got uh, you know a situation here where the harvest weather window looks like it's going to open up a little bit. We don't have any snowstorms to talk about this week. Um, we should see soybean harvest progress get uh, get past fifty percent plus here this week. Um, and, and I would think uh, you know you're going to see a lot of beans here moving to market here. Um, but it's still going to be kind of a slow go of it in the corn. I think a lot of producers out there are still waiting for some of the moisture to dry down with the freeze we had. It kind of slowed that process up a little bit. Um, but I would say if a if a grower can get in there and get corn dried, there's still a lot of quick ship premiums to be had out there, and that's something to uh, to take or to keep in mind if you can take advantage of. You know, if you look at the weather map across the United States, I mean, it, definitely cooler temperatures, a wetter weather being moving in. Luckily, there's no snow in the nearby forecast. No, we've got uh, some chances for sporadic rainfall here. It looks like it could be wetter further east uh, compared to the west, though. So. Um, there again, you know, we're going to get into uh, further into this harvest, and the deeper we get into it, the more uh, you know decent yields we're hearing from some of this June planted stuff uh, in in central Illinois here. So, pretty shocking to see what some of the stuff can do, even even though as late as it was. And uh, you know, the areas that were compounded in the summertime with a lack of rainfall are still dragging a little bit more. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it really begs the question how you build risk premium here in the future moving forward, and and kind of underscores. Um, you know, the fact that we've become so good at, at producing, and, and that is largely why we're he- here in the situation, you know, looking for supply losses to uh, continue to move the market higher. You know, I talked to a producer earlier uh, today from Wisconsin who talked about the amount of rain that they continue to have. And he says, you know, we got a day and a half of some dry weather, but not even warm enough to help to try to finish this crop out. He says he's looking at Thanksgiving, maybe. And it sounds like yeah. that's kind of the story as you go further east. And I would imagine there's going to be areas where we stretch well past that, too, uh, you know, depending on what the weather looks like in the weeks ahead. So, um, you know, in terms of how that hits the market, you know, we've seen a pretty strong basis most everywhere because that processor is really looking for corn. And there, there weren't a lot of old crop supplies to continue chewing on. But uh, it feels like we've we kind of reached a point of contentment with the market, I guess, is what I would say, because no one no one's scrambling to get corn to the river for export. We're pretty well cannibalizing all that export demand just as we did this spring because the interior processor bid is so good, there's no reason to send it downstream, and that keeps us uncompetitive on the world market. Soybeans, is that going to be the biggest push, though, at this point? Get that out of the ground. Corn can wait. Definitely, uh, especially with the moisture factor. I mean, beans you always want to have out uh, out sooner if you can. And and uh, there again, we've heard some pretty decent yields even in the late planted stuff. It's certainly not pushing what we've seen, and now we're close to what we've been seeing the last few years. And that's why I guess I would still have kind of tend to have a bias that we could still see that production number on beans inch lower. And I guess I think similarly to corn, but we got to keep in mind, you know, the demand side of things is, it has been a problem. Uh, bean shipments are up 7% uh, year to date compared to last year, but we didn't set the bar real high there. If you look at corn down, you know, 62% year to date compared to last year. And, uh, you know, we know the ethanol side isn't, isn't real bright either. Do we see the competitiveness um, as you look at South America versus us when it comes to prices? And is the spread getting bigger? You know, we're just not competitive enough there. Um, you know, and I think 
if we start to see some weather concerns down there, and they've been dry going into the season, especially western Argentina, parts of Brazil. Brazil's had some uh, recent rainfall to kind of bridge the gap at least, but to, as dry as they went into the season, they're going to need to con- get continued rainfall. And I think until or unless you see a, a bigger concern there, it's going to be tough to really get them to parity with us. Uh, if that starts to happen, then we'll certainly kind of move to the front of the line, especially in the in the corn world. But, um, you know, again, until you get past this uh, harvest time frame where this basis is so strong on the interior, you get someone that really raises their hand needing corn or something, it just doesn't look like it's a real prospective environment there. When we continue to move through the struggles of harvest, the, the lack of exports as trade negotiations continue, mm-hmm. it just kind of makes producers need to almost sit at a standstill trying to figure out which direction to go. Well, that's right, and especially with the soybeans. You know, we mentioned the shipments are up a little bit year on year, and uh, you know what was interesting is seeing the market you know, grind higher and kind of work higher, as well as the basis right in the thick of harvest. So it's a good sign, but we need to keep that going. Um, and the next two, three, four months are, are going to be very pivotal in that because it's going to be ahead of South America's harvest if they raise another big one and are ready to put that on the world market here after next February, March time frame. And we are headed into 2020 with 10 million more, you know, acres than we planted this year. It's it's going to be a headwind still coming. Are the crush margins going to remain on the positive and strong side for soybeans? Oh, I would imagine so. Um, you know, the, one of the bigger things that could break that would be is if we did get that export demand and it was here to stay. Now all of a sudden they have to compete. But until that uh, changes, you know, you look at basis still relative to where we've been, uh, you know, historically up until the last few years. Uh, and still relatively weak. And that's why I believe, you know, once you get these funds along, you know, 80 to 100,000 beans, uh, you know, it's just going to be tough to see the market move a lot higher after that uh, unless it's via basis and, and this actual demand being here. From from a wheat side, and of the Black Sea region, they're talking about export action continues to be dominated by them. Is that what we're going to see in the next couple of months? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to continue. I think you've got world supplies that are relatively ample. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the dollar lately, too. Uh, and that helps our cause against, you know, South America, as we've uh, kind of already touched on. But uh, the dollar moving lower for our wheat exports may be even more pivotal because of the business we're doing with countries other than South America. And they're not as much of a competitor in some of those markets. So, uh, you know, we've had pretty good uh, you know, wheat, wheat movement here this year compared to what we've been seeing. Shipments there year-to-date are up 22%. Um, and so if we get that dollar continue to work lower off some of this Brexit news and just some of the world geopolitical situations in general, maybe it'll continue to help bolster that. And that's somewhat meaningful because we need to, you know, keep this grain somewhat supported going into next year, to, uh, you know, as we try to spread out all these acres. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about as we look at where we're at. Progress rise of this afternoon's report might say. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson continues to join us for part two. Let's look at, it's a Monday, so we'll get a report out this afternoon in regards to where we are crop progress. Will we, could we have made some significant progress, or are we just being optimistic? I think you're going to see a pretty good jump in beans. Um, you know, there was about a day and a half, especially, you know, one and a half to three days there last week where it just seemed like everyone just kind of pounded, you know, getting beans out uh, as the weather had improved. So I think you're going to see, I think trade's expecting like 42%. I wouldn't be surprised to see even a little bit, you know, more than that. I think corn could maybe disappoint. I think trade's looking for like uh, 34% harvested. I could see that coming in maybe 
32%, something like that. But I don't know how much, you know, these numbers matter right now. I mean, this recent snowstorm, you're going to have a lot of debate about yield losses there. Keep in mind on, on the whole freeze issue, too, there very well could be bushels lost there. But even if there are, these are situations that sometimes it doesn't show up until you get a stocks report out because, you know, you've estimated a certain amount of bushels. You put those bushels in the bin, but you don't haul them back out. Um, and look at this last stocks report we had in September. So just something to kind of think about there, especially as we consider feed usage and stuff moving forward and the inefficiencies that can happen, you know, when you get an early freeze and, and how difficult it is to measure it. Do you expect any um, sort of excitement, though, when it comes to two crop movements? Should we see that, how the markets would react in the overnight? Um, in terms of uh, how quickly harvest is? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, um, but I, I just don't know if it can hold enough weight uh, above what these other you know market factors we're looking at in terms of you know trade and stuff like that. Um, I, I think for the corn though, if we start to catch traction there with harvest, uh, you know I think the risk is that you take the cash inverse out of the market there. Um, you know that we've been seeing because you're going to finally get enough corn to the processor, and then it's going to make sense to put it in the bin again. As it sits today though, there's just not a lot of carry in that market to be had. Set over to the livestock side, you know that there were some lower sales um, headed into the weekend, and that kind of seems to have set the tone for a quiet type of trade on a Monday. Yeah, you know, the, the cattle market kind of ran its course. It uh, felt like things were a little bit overbought, so we're correcting a little bit in time, a little bit in price as well. Uh, the feeder market's kind of weighing the potential on what feed costs could do here in the in the month ahead. Um, you know, the, the board of trade values feel like they could pull back a little level off just the same here. But I, I do think there's still going to be a little bit of interest going to this next November crop report about what we could see from a supply loss standpoint. Um, and most of the focus is on the supply side of things as you go into that. So, uh, you know, choppy market could be seen here. You got the feeder cattle index around 145. So it's hard to see a, a ton of downside. Uh, same thing in the live cattle. And we look at, uh, you know, these uh, beef prices, it's just hard to be real bearish. I think you can look at breaks as being, potentially being value. Um, but what we don't know is how much value, and that is because we just don't know if China's coming after this hog market or not. And I think protein into 2020 is just going to be a highlight. I was going to ask you about that because we know that the continued discussions with China, and we've been for forever, is like the bait and then back off, bait and back off when it comes to any sort of movement with China. Now, they've made some promises and purchases. They've got to feed their people. At what point do we just see them just step up to the plate and say, okay, this is what we need to be able to move forward till we get our herds continued back to where they were? Well, and I think it's realistic to think that they're going to take some sort of a measured approach either way. Um, you know, they've continued to make comments and, 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 and finish comments off, uh, you know, about buying U.S. products with the, with the term based on demand. So I, I don't know that they're going to step out here and buy a certain amount of anything, corn, beans, pork, whatever, just because, you know, Trump or the U.S. says, you know, let's agree to this. I think they're still going to be based on demand. They need to be careful about how much they uh, release out of their frozen reserves and how quickly they do that. Uh, because until they have this disease completely, you know, contained and can start rebuilding again, uh, you know, that, that puts them in potentially even a more dire situation. So it could be kind of a slow burn effect. And the market's been real amped up on this, wanting to see a huge purchase, you know, number or something like that and just see the market off to the races. But I don't know that it's going to be that easy. I think it's going to come in waves. I think we still have uh, many months ahead of trying to decipher if this thing's over with and, and where else it could spread to first. If only we knew what the true terminology was based on demand. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And keep in mind, you know, this is, Asia, is, you know, China's not the only places it happened to. It's just uh, the most notable one, obviously, because of how big of a deal it is for them. You know, I, I again, don't want to jinx us, but it has been kind of quiet with the information that's come out mm-hmm. on the spread of African swine fever. It almost makes us hopeful that maybe it started to been contained with some more tight security going on. Yeah, almost a feeling of contentment there, too. And, uh, you know, how long did we go on talking about, you know, only a matter of time before it gets in the U.S.? Is it going to happen? Are we, you know, suited to to handle with a disease like that? And, you know, thus far, uh, it looks like we're still kind of in in the position to benefit from the situation. But uh, we just don't know when yet. And, um, you know, hopefully we can stay away from that, uh, you know, being infected with something like that ourselves as well. And really not a lot of talk of reaction from the Cargill plant in Dodge City, Kansas. We know they're supposed to come hopefully back online next week. And the markets just seem to be taking it in stride. Yeah, a lot less of a fear factor out there uh, compared to the last go-around with an event like that. So. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And that's a look at our Fontenelle Final Bell on this Monday. It's brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Don't forget you can pick this up as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you pick up your favorite podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.